Welcome to the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast, the podcast that helps you make your ellipses count. I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today, the mother of an employed teenager, she got a job. Well, she's had a job for a while, but I haven't talked to y'all about it. So yay. Good. I'm a little jealous because I have two unemployed teenagers. I mean, one of them can't technically be employed. He's not that old yet, but one of them could. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, foster child advocate. And this week I have an agent request for pages when Yay! the pages are ready, but they're not ready yet. But that's fun because the rest of the week has been a disaster. So that was a good highlight. <laughs> and you know what? Nothing gets an Enneagram nine going like someone asking for stuff. So, right. yeah, right. I bet your pages I mean, are gonna still an imaginary coming. deadline, but it feels a little more real. Yes. Well, today we are so excited to talk to Shannon Lee Simmons. We've had some reschedules, so we are happy this is finally, finally happening. Three times. This has been going since February. It's a record for us. It is. (laughs) But we all made it happen, and I'm so excited. Yay. I'm proud of us. (laughs) I'm proud of us as well. We're going to count the small wins, people. Well, Shannon is a certified financial planner, chartered investment manager, media personality, personal finance expert, and founder of the New School of Finance. Shannon is widely recognized as a trailblazer in the Canadian financial planning industry. She was named one of Canada's top 30 under 30. And she's giggling. What is good? <laughs> this bio haunts me. It's so long and I start dying of embarrassment. <laughs> People I don't know always where it do. on the internet, but I die. I die every time. We got it. Just like, just like close your eyes and (laughs) cover your ears for a minute. Oh my God, we're leaving this in. I love this. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. But I don't remember where I was. So I'm going to back up. Okay, you're at just, here she is. Here she is. (laughs) (laughs) She was named one of Canada's top 30 under 30, the notable award for best in finance and new school of finance. (laughs) She won the 2016 Wealth Professional Award for Digital Innovation. She is a regular financial expert in the media and has a monthly column for Globe and Mail and is a personal finance columnist for CBC's On the Money and Metro Morning. She's awesome. Welcome. You're amazing. (laughs) You're such in that intro. You don't go. You got to tell me where that is somewhere. It lurks still. It's still (laughs) somewhere out there in the zygots. I don't know where it is. I try to find it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you cannot hide from your awesomeness. I'm sorry. We're going to, we're going to make you face it on a Friday. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, but okay. Well, since we got a glimpse of you through your bio, (laughs) even though you were hiding behind your hands, can you fill in any gaps that we may have missed there or talk about any big decisions? We're going to be talking a lot about decisions today that led you to where you are today. I mean, since that bio from a while, like it's it's all true, but I've had kids since then. So I'm a mom of two boys, almost one's almost four and one just turned six. Um, that's exciting. And I got three books under my belt now, which is very exciting. And, uh, I'm almost 40. So that's very different than the top 30 under 30 call out from that bio. Yes. In a few years. That's why I'm like this bio. Oh my God. It haunts me. But yeah, it's so fun, but yeah, pushing 40 and, um, and like, yeah, two, two kiddos under my belt since then. So that's very exciting. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Well, we were, when we were getting to know you and prepping for the show, we really were touched about your story that the pandemic convinced you you were not able to write your latest book, which is No Regret Decisions, Making Good Life Choices During Difficult Times. We just need to have every page tattooed on our foreheads. But then you you had an aha moment that caused you to make a decision to just go ahead and move forward and write it. Um, So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was such a dark time for me. So my youngest guy was only six months and um, my oldest one was two. So it was pretty intense. Oh, that is intense. time of year, it's tax season, right? So I was running a financial planning firm and a tax prep firm. March and April are bananas to begin with. Yeah. And because I do all this media stuff, it's like all these programs were launching and I was doing like seven interviews a day trying to help everybody and my clients were getting laid off and I, I was trying to like tap dance through it. And then I had, I had signed this book deal the day the schools closed. And I remember all of us talking on the phone and we're like, well, see you in two weeks. Anyways, ridiculous now. (laughs) We thought it was a two week closure. Yeah. Um, And then as things obviously progressed and things got chaotic and wild, 
in addition to also like everybody else's collective trauma about like what the heck is going on this is terrifying so I was just like something's gotta give like something has to give I can't do it all and one of the things that I I now know but I didn't at the time was that because I was in panic mode like panicking 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 when we're in panic mode, we make these like black and white choices right so I was Uh like well I'll be a good mom or choose a book so it's like if I do the book I'm a terrible mother if I write the book and if I if I give the book up then I can be there for my kids. So like, those are my options, mm-hmm. period, full stop, because I, I couldn't right. think of, I couldn't access that other part of you that can get out of panic mode for a second. Right. I quit. I like wrote my, I had so many emails to my agent at like 3 a.m. for it. <laughs> oh, did you send them all? She's still my, oh yeah, she's still my agent though. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, and then it was actually through a, a couple of moments where I was like, no, this is going to be okay. And one of the big ones, the one I talked about in the book, I had just written this email to my agent being like, I can't do this. Like I'm out. And I had this like temporary moment of like relief from just sending the email and being like, it's one less thing I need to think about. And then, you know, even in crisis, I still had to like feed my kids. Mm-hmm. I still had to like go upstairs, get ready to bath and like calm stories and go to bed. So like no matter what, even though in the back of my brain, it's like freaking out. I'm still like doing bath time and all the stuff and like math and my husband's around and like, it's a very calm family moment. And we're trying to keep things chill for the kids so that they're not picking up on what's actually going on. Like we wait till post bedtime to melt down. And, uh, (laughs) and so I remember like, you know, I was singing the kids to sleep and like I come downstairs and that hour or two ritual of like coming into like mom zone and, and, and pulling out of a panic freak out business owner, Shannon, who feels like she has to do everything else everywhere all at once mm-hmm. um, was like, Oh my gosh, are you making a black and white decision here for a second? Like, is this real? Like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And it was just that moment, a piece that was not panic filled that I was able to just see over the crisis for a second and be like, are you sure that this is the right choice? And I was so grateful for that because then I frantically wrote my agent again, I bless her, uh, being like, I'm not sure I mean that. Like, give me time. Like, I, I think I can do this. So anyways, it's very frantic. But it really brought me to that moment of clarity that doesn't mean that the next day I didn't feel like I was in crisis still, but it really showed me that those moments of non-crisis where you can elevate up out of it for one second where you feel like safe and hopeful at the same time mm. can just be enough to break the cycle that you're in to say like, wait, am I sure I'm not making a panic decision here? Am I quite sure? Just to like start to like reassess and make sure that you're kind of doing the work to to have a no regret decision essentially on the other side. Yes. And we really love the idea of this decision crisis playbook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, but before we dive into that, can you define what a decision crisis? I think you kind of leading into yeah. it with what you're going on, but this, what does that really mean? A decision crisis? Yeah. So what I do on my day-to-day life is I'm a financial planner. And I say that because I'm also a life coach, but the pl- the planning is what I do that, that pays my bills. And so, but what happens is people come to me when they're having these major life transitions or big decisions to make, because often the question is like, can I afford to retire? Can we afford to do IVF? Can we keep going in this? Or my parent mm-hmm. has Alzheimer's and I have to take care of them. Can I afford to do that? Can I afford to quit my job and start a business? So I get on the front line of these major conversations with people. You know, they're not looking to see if they can cut back on pizza budgets. They want to know the le- right. the, the emotional stakes of what this decision is. It's high. Yeah. And the financial stakes are high. And there's uncertainty. That is a decision crisis. So you don't have to be in crisis in order to be in a decision crisis. They often go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. But for example, somebody who hates their job who's been doing it for years and is just so unfulfilled and miserable every single day and has to decide whether or not they're going to quit and look for something else or like go back to school or like retrain. Like that's a decision crisis, even though you may not wake up every morning and feel like you can't breathe because your world's just shifted. So a crisis is not necessarily a decision crisis, but often they go hand in hand when something gets thrust upon you. Um, And so that's what a decision crisis is. High emotional stakes, high financial stakes, tons of uncertainty, and yet you have to make decisions whether you like it or not. Yeah. So, And you say, we don't want you to go into all of it because we want everybody to buy your book. But there's <laughs> three cool. phases of every decision crisis. Yeah. So without giving away I didn't give door, it away. I'll give some away. I think it's a good <laughs> book and people should read it anyway. So 
Um, okay. So the first part is like making sure you're not making a panic based or reaction based decision. So for someone who's just been thrust into a decision crisis, like partners says, I want to, I want a divorce. Like, okay, your life looks different tomorrow. You know, it, wow. like, you know what I mean? Like you didn't ask for that and it happened to you or like a critical, there's just something big like that. So that is really easy to understand how you don't want to be making a decision in panic mode, right? Black and white choices. If you're a person who maybe isn't in crisis, but you've got major decisions with high stakes that you're dealing with, you want to make sure in the same zone that you're not making a sort of panic based, or if you are, if you don't feel panic, a reactionary, like a, like a decision that you'll regret later on because you're reacting to something because you didn't think it through necessarily, or because you just want to stop thinking about it. I have a lot of people who are circling around and around on something and they just want that to be over. Mm. So they just like, fine, I don't care. And they just make a decision. And that is I would consider a panic decision because you're so exhausted that you're not actually making the best methodical decision for yourself. You just want the spiraling to end. And so that I would also say is part of that, the, the decision fatigue. Okay. I mean, that spoke right to me. I think I've made a number of panic decisions in my life. And that's okay. If everything works out, then who cares? Right? (laughs) Right. So this book is a love letter to someone who's worried it won't work out. Mm. And to people who have made decisions that they look back on and say, yikes, that didn't work out. And I blame myself. The whole reason I wrote this book is because, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm on the front line of financial planning. And you see, you see some life, right? Like you see things play out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you see things not play out well. And I really started to notice in the last five years as, as we age and as the stakes of life are getting high and life is scary, you know, things in the, on the global world are, are tense, right? right? And I really see a difference between people who made decisions that didn't work out the way they wanted them to and look back and say, huh, well, th- that was a good decision with a bad outcome mm-hmm. versus the person who doesn't like the situation who looks back and says, that was a bad decision and it's my fault. And the people who look back with that deep regret, I robs them of confidence because what happens is you start to think, well, life threw me a curveball, or the stakes were really high. I wanted to make a big change in my life and I made a bad decision. And so I don't ever want to do that again. So I'll never take any risk again. I'll never do anything again that like rocks the boat because I don't mm-hmm. trust that I'm going to make the good choice. Or I live in constant worry that bad things are going to happen to me because I don't trust that I'm really good at making decisions when bad things happen to me. And so that lack of confidence bleeds into every other aspect of their life. And I started to see this wow. over and over and over and over again. And that's why it's about doing whatever you can when you're making decisions to sort of regret proof your life down the road, because you can't guarantee what's going to happen. You just want to make sure that you're one of those people that if it doesn't work out, you're looking back saying, you know what? I made a good decision and it just had a bad outcome. I did everything I could. Oh, okay. So I want to talk a bit about making, uh, making the good decision then. So like you got a decision. Making the no regret decision. Making the no, no, that's right. Okay. Oh, shame on me. Yes. So make, Oh, there's two things I want to talk about, because I do want to talk about, is there the possibility of switching from being the person who looks back at a decision and changing that mindset from that was a bad decision to, uh, you know, that was a bad outcome. outcome. So yeah, let's start there, because I'm curious about that. And then let's talk about what the steps are for making a regret-free decision. So yeah, is it possible to change that mindset then for the decisions in the past? Yeah. And I actually, it blends nicely into the steps of the playbook. It's part of the playbook. It's, it's the last part, your, your next normal. And so basically the part, also I'll answer the parts of the playbook and then I'll circle around to answer that. So the first part is making sure you're not making one of those exhausted, panic, reactionary decisions, right? So you're, we're, not, we're making the decision for the right reasons so that we know that no matter what happens, we can look back without regrets. So that's the first part. The second part is actually, I call it the messy middle. And that's where you actually have to make your choice, right? So like, your play in your hand. And a lot of the work here goes around your values. Now, I actually am a little tired of that word too. We all are. Anyone who's been dealing in the coaching world for 20 years. Is like, oh, we yes, love it. We can't get tired We of talk it. about it all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Because it's so, it's so important to everything that makes us happy, right? Yes. 
But then, I, yeah, you talk about it so much that people start to just be like, yeah, 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 I've heard about it. Yeah, they're it. eye-rolling when they talk about Exactly. But I still feel like in a decision <laughs> crisis, it really comes yeah. down to that. So in the middle of the book, we really talk about that. And I take it one step further. That's like, I have this view on values. That's like, okay, so maybe there's like five in your life that you often are there, but they are prioritized differently at different stages in your life, right? And that's okay. It's like permission to reorganize and reprioritize values. And for a decision like this, you have to prioritize one over the other. So if your family is one of your values and financial security is really important to you, which one are you going to hang your hat on for this choice? That's what, because ultimately you're going to have to remember that when you're looking back through the sands of time and, and say like, okay, so it didn't work out really left us in a financial lurch, but that's because I, I mindfully chose to prioritize my family needs over the financial security. And I just hope to kind of work, but I did that on purpose and I, it was mindful and I know that mm -hmm. or, Hey, you know what? I'm going to prioritize our financial security over this other value of mine. Maybe it's a well-being thing. Maybe it's about moving somewhere or something like that. And I'm going to move my family because that's a smarter financial decision and they might not be stoked about it, but this is what we have to do. And then if they, the kids are mad at you, you can at least tell yourself that like that decision was done mindfully and on purpose for a reason. And so really in that messy middle part, it's like, we're trying to control what we can. We're trying to figure out which value we're prioritizing for this decision. And we are playing our hand. We are making our choice. And okay. then we lose. And then we wait until part three, which is kind of when the penny drops, right? We find out whether it worked or not. And um, <laughs> and so I call it your next normal, not new. And uh, I, I call it next normal because we're kind of always building our next normal. And yeah. what I mean by that is just our normal life is a combination of our day-to-day -day kind of habits that we have, our, our rituals. And so the real stakes here, why everyone is so worried about making these choices is that we're worried that normal is going to be super disrupted and we don't like our day-to-day -day life on the other side. Mm -hmm. That is the fear, whether that's a financial loss or an emotional loss, whatever it is, we are worried that we are not sure what that looks like and we're terrified and if, if we did it, it's our fault. And so part of that last part, your next normal is like making peace with the outcome. So again, if everything worked out, then like, yay, that's fantastic. Yes. But if it didn't, and some parts did and some parts didn't, if you were able to get your hands on a book like this beforehand, well, then I'm not worried about you having regret. It's cozy and reassuring. But if you do regret it and you pick this book up and you have decisions you made 20 years ago that you're still beating yourself up for, there's a whole chapter just for you <laughs> on how to deal with that. And often it comes back to really fleshing out those values, thinking about who you were when you were making them. There was probably a reason you made the decision that you made and you were probably prioritizing a value that's surprising to you. And when you consciously think about it, you're like, classic example is people who bought in the pandemic a house or something um, and then interest rates went through the roof and now they can't afford their mortgage, right? right. Mm. So a lot of people in Canada are super regretful of that. Mm. And often I'm doing a lot of work right now with, okay, let's take you back to 2020 when you bought this house in that summer what values were you prioritizing at that point? So at the time it was like family or peace or like whatever it was that, that was important to them. And they got all the information that they were supposed to. They talked to the mortgage broker, they talked to the realtor, they talked to their, their dad, like they, they, their mom, they, they had everybody's input and everybody thought that a variable mortgage was totally fine. And it was a great interest rate. Like, did that person really make a bad call? No, they made a good decision. Mm -hmm. But they what they need the outcome. That's mm -hmm. right. And so often, sometimes just thinking about your life and going back in time and trying to give yourself some grace and understanding what information you were using at the time and what value you prioritized, maybe by accident. Um, yeah. And if you'd made a if you made a panic based decision or a decision fatigue decision, then you were you know prioritizing sanity. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like let's let's right. give ourselves some permission to fail. I have been down that regret road lately, like really thinking through some things that I did or didn't do a long time ago. Yeah, just wallowing in regret, and it was just not a healthy place to be. And no, so I no. love this conversation about really looking, looking at like who was I then. What did I use to make those decisions? And then like patting that little person on the head and saying, you did the best you could, then you had no way to see to now. That's right. And I mean, I don't care how, how like, I feel like I have a good gut a lot of times, but you still can't see the future. Nobody like, can. I can't. No. Yeah. And, and so yeah. much in my job, I've also, I think it's really made me a, a like 
person that I can see above that for a second because I see how other people's lives are playing out. A lot of people don't have the window that I do into like how other people are failing at life and it looks like it's good on Instagram. <laughs> that and should be your next break. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all, We're all like, failing. Everyone's a gong show. It's actually comforting. And so, <laughs> yeah. but I also see so much of how things are just lucky. So when someone's like, yeah, I knew I had to lock in. I'm like, no, you didn't. You made a choice. Mm. Play it out in your favor this time. Yeah. Like, you're not... You're not psychic. And and so much of with money, people often confuse or love to say that it was about their decision when truly it was about luck. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you don't know what the stock market is going to be in the next five months. You just don't. Straight up don't. Nobody does. Mm -mm. Not even Warren Buffett. (laughs) Yeah, he's just been real lucky. I mean, he's not dumb, dumb, but he's been real lucky. Because he's been diversified and tax efficient and fee conscious. Those are the decisions he made. The rest was luck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We need a little bit of that too, but okay. <laughs> yeah. It takes some of that. And just in case any of our listeners are not tired of hearing about values, because we love them. We love them. I and, do there's, and there are probably some people out there maybe that are facing a decision right now and maybe do not know even what their values are to be deciding which one to prioritize. So do you have a favorite exercise or a method of helping your clients get some clarity around what their values are? Yes, I do. It's in chapter seven. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Buy the book <laughs> and then we'll talk. No, no we, uh, yeah, we so know we'll what ready. they are. We need yeah, to we'll just wait everybody until you, you empty your card online. Um, so the best thing, and I've been doing this for years, and it, it's also, it comes from my financial planning background. So I, I, whenever I did my coaching certification, we always talk about like manifesting the positive stuff. We don't really go to worst case scenario. It's a lot about forward thinking and like future self and like best self and all that. In the money world, like, queen of constraints over here, right? And so a lot of times damage control and time and money constraints are the reality of a decision that has to be faced as well, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can think about all the things so the cows can move that we want with our values, but at the end of the day, like, you know, if I want to buy a yacht tomorrow, that could be a top value for me. <laughs> like, and do it. And so, so what I like to do is, you know, obviously I do the typical coaching thing where I'm like, here's a bunch of words that could be different values for different people. Like highlight the ones that speak to you. Okay. So I usually get someone to do five to 10, maybe five is my ideal for that Mm -hmm. time in their life. That doesn't mean that these other ones weren't a part of you before, but what are the main five right now? And then what I'll do is have them like rank it for this specific decision, really talking about like for this decision, not the ones you make tomorrow, not the ones you make like three months from now, like for this choice, What's the decision you're going to hang your hat on so that future you is going to look back and be like, you did it good. You did good, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And if that's not enough to really like hone it in, often we'll start, um, I talk about this in the book too, putting these things that I call like pivot points and guardrails in, which is about time and money and the constraints. Because sometimes constraints, whether you like it or not, can prioritize your values yeah. for you. Yeah. Because there has to be a reality to a situation I think that's what's love. I mean, this sounds a little bit biased, but this is what's good about this book because there's a lot of the coaching stuff, but really also grounded in reality, right? About what is actually doable for you, what's manageable and where is it scary? Where does it get to the point where it's wildly unsafe to keep going financially or Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing? Because that that can happen to people, right? Um, When they're in crisis or when there's a decision crisis, money can, Mm -hmm. we, we all have a weird relationship with it. Yeah. Oh. I know. I'm sorry. I'm taking notes. I'm absorbing for a second. But I'm thinking about a lot of our listeners and about ourselves. A lot of what we do is help moms consider like, are you going to go back to work? And if you are, what is that going to look like? Um, Or are you going to change jobs? Because what you're doing is not working now. But we have our friend KJ Dallantonio likes to say, just because you can do that job doesn't mean that you should do that job. And you talk about that a little bit. Like, how do you apply decision making when looking for a new job? And how do you not get sucked into the like, oh, I could do that. I can do that. Every job posting I see, I'm like, well, that might be great. (laughs) They're not all necessarily great. (laughs) No. And that's really interesting. So I think it's a combination of things. And I think that's really where I would put those pivot points um, and guardrails. And if you're kind of like, do I go back to work? Do I not go back to work? Do I switch jobs? Do I not switch jobs? Is to figure out like, okay, my ideal scenario here is to take another three years off work, let's say. Okay. Like I want to be home for another three years. That's the goal. That's the deciding values I'd like to hang my hat on here. 
looking back in time. Okay. Even if things end up a little bit like financially fried, I want to look back and be like, yeah, I'd do it again. And so, okay, great. We know that. But then the pivot points and the guardrails, I think are what come in to protect you from regretting that decision. Even if you were upholding those values. Right. So Mm. what that is, is a pivot point is like, at what point do you and your family have to really switch your lifestyle to accommodate this plan A, right? So I would say, for example, okay, let's look at the full three years. We take three years off, we calculate, we forecast it, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, that means like no family vacations, like extracurriculars mm-hmm. are kind of off the table for the older kid. There's no domestic help and any like you're, there's none, none of that. It's very like, you know, you've got to live on a shoestring here for the next three years. Are you okay with that? That's like, that's the three years. And then it's like, oh, I don't know. And then it's like, okay, well, let's take like two years. Well, two years, you can like bring back, you know, maybe you have a cleaning service that comes in once a month to like take the load off a little bit. Your kid can go back into hockey. So the time is less, but it's a, it's, a, it's an easier time. Like it's a lighter time because there's a little bit more money. Oh, that right. sounds nice. Um, and two years seems good. And then it's like, okay, and then one year off would be ba 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 And obviously the financial aspect would make it a lot nicer, but then it's less, less time. So one year, two year, three year, these are all pivot points. We're still off. Our life just has to change and shift depending on which route we choose along the way. Mm -hmm. And mapping those out at the beginning of the decision really makes you feel in control when you hit one, right? Like you really feel like you see it coming and you really agree to what is happening, like to to choose those different things. And a guardrail would be like, let's say that that we mapped it all out. And to, to do the three years was not just living on a shoestring. It was like, I don't know that you're going to be able to pay your rent, like, or your Mm. mortgage. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, this is, it's so unsustainably tight that it's like, I think it's miserable. Like, sure, you get like, it's three years, but it might be miserable three years, you know? And so maybe mom is like, I don't want that. That's not the goal is to be miserable and off for three years. So it's like, okay, that's a guardrail then. So we're Mm, not going to go three years. And then we kind of move the dial in between. And so someone who's sitting, I would say the same for applying for jobs too, because often it comes down to salary and like what number I would work for and like what is go- what am I giving up? So the pivot points are really about mindfully negotiating with yourself. What are you willing to give up for this financially t- and time-wise and values? It's where they all kind of intermingle mm-hmm. along that plan. And I've really found that mapping them out ahead of time gives this clarity of like what you are absolutely willing to accept and what you're absolutely not willing to accept. Mm-hmm. And, and that is clear. And also I found watching people apply for jobs over the years too, sometimes to cycle of going around, 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 around on a decision is ended too abruptly or is ended as well. If you just do one of them, even if it doesn't work out, like you do something, sometimes that's the only way to understand what you don't want, right? So you take a step uh-huh. and it's, it's nope. Like, <laughs> not good. <laughs> uh, not, not a thing I want, but like, there, I don't know that there is a way sometimes to know that until you just wade into the deep end and then you're like, wow, I don't like this pool. Get out. And then if you've gone through this motion of the no regret decision playbook, then even if you get out of the pool, you can look back and be like, I'm glad I went swimming. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have to regret it. I don't have to be like, why did I ever go in? You're like, I fully understand why I did this. And I don't regret it. And now I just have to like find another pool. So I feel like mapping it out ahead of time. is just like, it doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't guarantee you're going to like it. It just makes you okay with the disappointment you might be scared to feel. Oh, I mean, I just walked through this with someone I advocate for, you know, trying to make a decision. They were trying to make a decision about an employment and who worked and when, and we walked through like what happens if one of you doesn't work. And what happens if this money you're relying on at the moment ceases to exist? Because that's very likely. Mm -hmm. So then what does that look like? And what do you want to achieve with your family that, that you might not be able to, I really think I'm going to get them the book. I wasn't thinking about it, but that's what we were doing. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's amazing. I think I'm getting the book and I'm going to go back to them and be like, let's talk about it again. (laughs) And I I think that is chapter eight and nine. (laughs) (laughs) And how much would you recommend giving visibility of some of these decisions to your kids? Not enough to like stress them out, but age appropriately so that they're learning through modeling, like how you think through these decisions. I love this question. I've never been asked this question. Oh, no. Thank you for asking it. And I think about this a lot. Um, 
I was raised in a family business where all was out on the table for better or worse. Right. So like dinner time conversation was like, you know, do you think we'll go bankrupt next year? For next week, if we don't make payroll, like these were things that were like cat and dog. But you were a kid, wild. you'd be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, that recession was really tough in like the like late night or like the the dot com bubble, and oh, so yeah. um, so like really tough. And I remember thinking like, "Well, this is an age appropriate." I'm ten, like ah. Like, <laughs> at, the <same> time, <laughs> at the same time, my parents, yeah, it's like the Aquarius and the Sagittarius. They're like, oh, they're just marching their own beat. But at the same time, what it also helped me realize was that some Christmases were stacked and some were not. I knew exactly why. I knew exactly why Christmas was lean this year because mm -hmm. I had been part of the conversation all year. And I knew blah, 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 blah was happening. And I knew this was happening and I knew this was happening. So like, I was not disappointed. I was excited to have anything at all or whatever. Oh, and then in some years where I knew things were good, I was like, bingo, bango, bongo. Here we go. Like, it's so fun. So I do think that there was help in that. I think it formed my relationship with money. And I think it helped me realize that money is like a tool. And sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. And that the family uh -huh. is strong and fun and okay, regardless. And I think that like, whereas my husband was raised in like a nine to five, there's a pension, like, you know, mm -hmm. like very, like no one talks about it. And so, so much money stuff has been shocking to him. He's like, what? Things cost something? Or like, what? <laughs> like, oh, people struggle like, ah, I didn't know. And I'm like, ah, so so from that context, we, we often have this discussion about what we do with our boys. And so I'm maybe like age appropriately or not, I definitely bring my kids into it. I mean, the three-year-old, I spare him, but um, <laughs> like Billy, my, my older kid, um, I definitely talk to him about big decisions. So for example, mm -hmm. like just recently, we were deciding whether or not we were going to take a vacation and this is an expensive thing to Disneyland. And my family was all going and the constraints are like, A, it's ridiculous expensive. And B, I don't want to miss out on the family, but also like my kids are young. I would have wanted to wait a few more years till they would remember it. Like, you know, so right. I'm going to be like carrying a three-year-old around who's like screaming and not napping while everyone else is like, well, and I'm like, is that worth the money? Da, da, da. So we're having this conversation and I brought Billy into it. I did. I, I, I'm like, listen, here's the thing. And I like mapped it out with him. I was like, here are the things I really want to do. Here are the things that make this a hard decision. I'm really careful not to scare him about money. Like um, when I'm teaching him about grocery budget, instead of being like, we can't afford this, mm -hmm. I'll say things like, we have this to work with. Do you think that that takes too much of that? And he, um, he's like, oh yeah, you can get two green peppers for the same. And I'm like, great. So, uh, <laughs> my job is done. And so, uh, peppers so take up so much of lesson. our budget. I'm so, I'm laughing so hard because my kids are addicted to orange peppers and it is, you can get five green peppers for the price of orange pepper. And right? do you know, this is my master gardener fact for you. All the same freaking pepper. It's <laughs> just when they get pulled off the vine. I know they're all the same. Oh, they're so, just, they just change colors as they mature. I know. And so I, I feel like I do bring, I bring them in, but I'm careful with how I word things so that I don't let them know the stakes. So I, I hide yeah. the stakes. I think that's what I would say is what the age appropriate level. And then as I get older, you can reveal the stakes a little bit more and more about like the gravity of a situation. Mm -hmm. But I think the decision process is something that a kid I mean, what, do you want to go to this place or this place? That's a decision. Like you can start to introduce a kid to making like a decision and the idea that even like, okay, if we get there and you're not happy, like, let's remember this moment because this is the moment you're making the choice, like all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's genius. I love that. Yes. I oh. just, I'm looking at the clock. I'm always the one looking I at the know, clock and we're, we're getting so close. So before we dive into Look, Listen, Learns, tell us where everyone can find this book, where they find you, your other books all of that all the things okay so the hub is sort of i mean we're all over the internet but the hub is the new school of that's like my business and that's where everything from there you can find the books there you can find the free courses there, the online courses and the actual financial planning company so we're and and all of our socials are there so that's like the hub perfect. all right perfect and do you have any courses coming up that you'd like to highlight i'm not launching anything right now so i would say because the book just came out there's a new book coming out in like next year but i won't pump that right now i would just say like okay. that's it we'll just say like come there and buy the right. book well, that's go to the, the hub and do that. Current push. i'm taking the summer chill <laughs> oh good there, for you that yeah. is a very good decision that i'm sure you will yes, not regret <laughs>
No, I'm definitely prioritizing self-care over all finances. <laughs> we support that. I love it. Okay. Well, I think, my goodness, we're right on track. Way to keep us on track, Missy. Oh, well, <laughs> selfishly, I want three more hours with Shannon just to myself <laughs> to help me walk through some things. But I, I think we'll stick to our schedule and go on to our Look, Listen, Learns. But, oh, this is such good information. The good thing is that there's the books. You can just kind there's of bring her along with you in your purse as you need to. <laughs> bring yeah, a little bit of on Shannon. an audio book, it feels like I'm really talking to you. <laughs> Great idea because I do. I did order the hard copy, but I'm going to put it on an audio book. And no, just I read, I read it. While so I, drive I feel around. like I'm directly speaking right to you. It's <laughs> oh, a great idea. Yes. Okay. So you're ready for some look, listen, learns Very uh, much. for any listeners that are with us for the first time. Welcome. We are so glad you are here. And at the end of each show, we spend just a few minutes talking about our look, listen, learn. So things that we're watching or reading or listening to or learning about, and we do not like to put our guests in the hot seat. So Missy, what do you look, listen, learning? Yeah, I had to stop and think. I mean, I know I'm doing a lot of those things, but when I sat down to prep for today, I was like, what did I do? I don't even know. <laughs> uh, but I did look and listen to Amy Schumer's new special emergency contact, and it's really pretty good. I I think that she has grown up and matured so much, and she's in a place that I really relate to as a mom. She's gone through some things that I have also gone through. Yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers her from Last Comic Standing when when she was young and it was all about butt stuff and you know like just it was just so she was living this like young twenty something life that I did not and um, I thought she was funny but I didn't connect with her really yes. and over the years I just think she has matured into this really thoughtful and still still Amy Schumer funny comedian so I enjoyed that I watched it by myself. And I just needed to sit by myself and laugh. And I laughed out loud a couple of times. That's always great. So I do recommend that one. And she has the cutest little pink dress on for the show. She looked adorable. And I was like, You're, that's inspirational. You look adorable. So that was my look. And I've learned a lot this week. And I will not take our whole look, listen, learn. I've learned a lot about, um, I sort of checked out of some of my roles in my family of being the taskmaster. And I... We're not going to have a therapy session on why I checked out of that, but I checked out of some of that. And now we're dealing with the aftermath and things are a little bit of a disaster. <laughs> So I'm going to have to be the taskmaster again. I The think. gift of um, failure, Missy. This is the gift of failure. You're helping like, them learn and grow. Yeah. This week we were like, are you kidding? Like a couple of things are just spiraling. Nothing major. We'll be fine. Like even my oldest was like, this is all fixable, right? I'm like, it's all so fixable. Like there's nothing that we can't undo and deal with, but it's just a mess. And like a little physical mess. That we are also having the emotional mess to go with. So anyway, the physical mess of the kitchen remodel, right? The physical mess, the kitchen remodel, which has caused like, you know, then that causes messes everywhere else. Like stuff is piled in rooms where it doesn't go. And then you're looking for a thing. You're like, why isn't this where it lives? And it's all okay. It's all fixable. And it's all temporary. But ooh, <laughs> I've got to, I got to get back on my, get back on my shit, you know, like yes. be the boss again. So I, that's a learn. But I'm also, I have a request learn. I need a waterproof mascara. This is the fluffiest look, listen, learn ever, but I, I haven't had one have in years. One. Okay, good. I need a good one. I have one on today that I'm trying. I don't love it, but I feel like the next year is going to be a lot of tears. <laughs> like my son is graduating and we have one more year and I have already cried twice during this summer league swim season. What are you showing me? Mascara? I can't this is see a that. picture of Zoe's mascara that okay. she requested. You're going to have to text it to me and then okay. we'll put it in the show notes. She sends that is me not pictures of things. This is my shopping list. I have to go through my camera roll. I'm like, oh, okay, we need, <laughs> I we get need that this too. kind of rice cake. Uh -huh. We need this kind of mascara. I do that too. Can you get more of this? And it'll be a picture. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm going to cry a lot. Like I've already cried twice at swim meets thinking about the last swim meet. My kids do club all year long they do high school swim but they do summer league every summer we've done it for 11 summers this is my oldest last summer to do it and so I just keep looking at the last and I'm like <gasps> it's ridiculous so I'm Aww. gonna need some waterproof mascara for the next year and I'm gonna get yours and if anybody else has one they want me to try send them I'm gonna try them all oh you're making me feel so heartless I don't think I've cried yet <laughs> 
it's coming, then it's going to be big. Like, maybe you need something, like, watch Steel Magnolias or something to make you cry. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. What if it all comes out, like, at the drop-off? <laughs> oh, yeah. you got to hold that together until you walk away. Like... <laughs> I'm picturing, was that Ben Stiller crying really hard in uh, There's Something About Mary, where he yes. just does, like, the worst ugly cry walking away? That's going to be me after a drop-off at college. <laughs> Yeah, if you save it all up, like it's going to be an explosion. So start poking yourself in the eye now to get some stuff out. Oh, I think I did. Oh, broken. what about you, know. Shannon? What are you up to this week? Oh my gosh, uh, like looking and listening, like or just what am I up to this week? This weekend is well, like last weekend here before summer. So like my kids are we're done school next weekend. So my I'm solo flying solo with the kids this weekend because my we're opening up the cottage and I will be up at the cottage as soon as I humanly can be uh as soon as possible I want a cottage how come so many of our guests have cottages that's probably why they're guests guests have cottages too (laughs) real uh and that there's like I think you know a lot of them have been handed down so my uh you know my family bought this in the 70s do you know what I mean like yeah and uh and so um, it's like in my blood and like, it's my happy place. So that is where I will be going ASAP. Oh, amazing. So jealous. Okay. You know, it's so funny to me that their kids, cause you know, I'm in this college prep group with all the parents of the kids who are going to Rochester, um, Institute of Technology. And there's so many kids on the East coast that aren't even graduated or done with school yet. Meanwhile, right. our kids have been out for a month now and Almost. I'm, yeah. Or no, and I, a month today, right? Yes. And I think like it that. evens out when they're going to high school because their high schools start later than ours. So I think it all evens out in the end if you're doing that. But if you're going to college, some of these kids only have like six weeks once they graduate to right. start college. So, yeah, it's going to be a rushed little summer for a lot of East Coast God, kiddos. But uh, but I'm ready for I'm ready for fall. Fabulous. <laughs> Why is it so hot Are you, in Texas? Are you reading? <laughs> Are you reading anything? Are you taking any books to the cottage with you? Oh my gosh, yes. I am reading um I'm midway through Demon Copper um oh. Copperfield by Barbara Kingslover and I'm obsessed with it. And I have been like carrying it up to bath time and like reading it in the bathroom with them. Like I can't put it down. It's fantastic. So I'm oh, obsessed. That's on my list. I tried to get my book Mine club too. to read it, but they I'm upset. choose it. Okay. I love Barbara oh. Kingslover to begin with, and I think this yeah, is her finest. And so I'm reading that, like I'm devouring it. Um, and so I won't even make Maybe it to the cottage. I'll be done it before next week, for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, I do that. And then I actually, this is a show that's old that I didn't realize was old. Um, Fleabag, have you heard? Have you oh, watched? yes. Okay, I'm in love with the priest. But also, like, I, I was like, how have I not seen this show? It's like so funny. And it's just for me watching it alone. And I've just, yes. been, I've just been crushing it as well. So that's my little... That's my, that's, those are the things that I'm, I'm sort of watching. Are you still in season one? I'm in season two. Well, sorry, I I just finished season two. Yeah, so I just finished. Yeah, because you got the priest. I think the season, oh, that's right. Season two is just so. Fantastic. It's all good, but season two was, it blew me away. Season two blew me away and I'm still not recovered from the fact that it's over. I know. I know. Yeah, she immediately so Googled season three, <laughs> like immediately. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's maybe, I don't know. It's such, it's such a fan favorite. I can't believe, I don't know what the, that is a regret decision. Someone made so a decision that I regret one? that they, I don't know uh, what it was based on, but oh, yeah, yeah I know. Well, at least though, they never made a season that we were like, eh, that's no, true. They, they should have really, quit while they were ahead. They one was good, two was excellent. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I mean, unbelievably good. So good. I, I might have to watch it again, actually. Summer what rewatch. Yeah, what? what are you up to, Suzanne? Okay, I'm. I'm kind of hesitant to share my learn because. <laughs> well, let me show you what it is first. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who's, this is really not helpful for a podcast to show you something, mm-hmm. but it's some how, sort of bracket for our. It listeners. is a plastic big step thing that you yeah. hook on to the sides of like a bunk bed or like the dorm lofted beds Oh, uh-huh. because first of all, my daughter has broken a foot getting off of a regular bunk bed before, but also the ones that the kids have to climb up on at school, they're not real stairs. It's just like the 
rounded top yep. of these wooden slats like yellow slats and so this thing goes over the slat to turn it into a stair a step and it's got like the groovy treads on it and stuff and so that's freaking genius i've never seen anything like that and it's hardcore i mean this thing is not going anywhere so someone had recommended it in this facebook group and i was like okay and the reason i have an asterisk on this is because i mean i ordered it i paid my money they sent it like it's a legit yeah. business they came and they seem to be very high quality but i don't like I think they're just a super scrappy, like, yeah, mom and pop business, maybe. I don't know. But their website gives no indication. It's just like one page, buy it. That's it. Like, not a, <laughs> what about us? And here's our this story. Is the thing we do. Yeah. Or not like, <laughs> you know, this is why this is my passion project or whatever. And I was like, okay. Yes, they figure you want this thing. They make this thing. They're probably the only ones. You get this thing. <laughs> and you do, you do get this thing. But then I sent them a note because I was like, oh, I do this podcast. I'd love to do this as my look, listen, learn. And it happened the address came from a woman's name. And so I was like, oh, maybe she's a mom. We could kind of share her story, like supporting moms or whatever. And then I, <laughs> so I sent an email to Mary, but I got an email back from Craig, <laughs> who's, uh, who's giving you all, oh, shoot. Oh, I wrote it down and now I can't find it. Lucky uh, seven. Lucky seven. <laughs> yes. Lucky seven <laughs> is the code and you can get 7% off. Just also another thing that makes me be like, what? <laughs> Awesome. I don't 7%. I don't even I love know. it. So they might be stealing your credit card number. I don't know, but you get the steps. <laughs> you get the, the steps. steps are real. The steps are real. The steps are real. I mean, it yeah. came from like a home address, the box that yeah. came. Yeah. But then I looked up this guy's name and he has another business, which again, you go to their webpage and they sell like ice cream parfait cups. But there's style. no way to order it or there's no like if it's just one page it's so bizarre it's a mystery to me y'all i think maybe this is what we need our listeners do to help me figure out like what's what's, what's the, deal the story with this behind this business but i'm just gonna assume that they are just a scrappy mom and pop don't have time for your fancy links and about me page and yeah. just take your steps and shut up lady and get your seven percent <laughs> off so you know when seven. i went to college my parents bought me this container store stepladder very nice because i was on the top bunk as well and they were like we don't want you climbing down the side and slipping off in the middle of the night when they said when you're really tired i bet their subtext was when you're yeah. drunk and so I got this step ladder. It's black container store ladder. I still have it. We use it all the time. It lives in the entry hall closet in our house. I'm literally about to, as soon as I get done here, I have to go get on it to get something. It was a really great ladder. It is so sturdy <laughs> for many, many years. But for my freshman year, it was next to my bunk. And that's how I got down off my bed every night. And it was kind of like down towards the foot of my, yes, you know, so that wasn't up by my roommate's head. Um, and okay, we're gonna have to way. share a link for that too. So you have two. Yeah, I'm sure Container Store still sells something oh, like I'm it, sure if not do. it. They might sell it, but um, great, easy, lightweight. It's now covered in paint and all kinds of things, but it is a fantastic ladder. Maybe you'll um, have that step for years. Yeah, this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> this, actually, I have. I got four more downstairs. Actually, I bought the two packs, so I got one for the roommate too, so everybody can walk up their little steps. <laughs> I'm sure she'll still find a way to break her leg. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, loftsteps.com if y'all want to dive into oh the mystery. Gosh, yeah, of, we'll share that all in the group. Yeah, That's and get your 7% off. And I don't know, make some good decisions about what to spend all that money on. And let's see, I am listening to Rich Roll, who, Missy, you're going to love this. You've got me into, what is it? The brain stuff. Brain stuff. Neuroplasticity. Love it. So yeah. I am listening to episode 533. There's a part two okay. of episode 666. Do your genuflex or whatever. <sighs> I, Sorry. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> um, and he's interviewing neuroscientist Andrew Huberman about changing your brain through behavior. I'm using it for my book club who the last several books this is my fancy book club yeah. um no no offense to my other book club but this is the one where everything is super literary literary and yeah. everything but they 
they had said when they started the book club, like it doesn't always have to be a book. So it could be a podcast episode. It could be an article. It could be a whatever. So I'm, I'm veering them. I think I'm officially going to get kicked out of the group after <laughs> this because they were just like, what we're doing, what's neuroplasticity. And I was like, there's little assignments and I'm going to make everybody do gratitude practice stuff. And, hey, so, hey. and so, yeah, I'm officially I will be kicked out of my book club after, but it doesn't meet for like two months because we're doing a little summer break. I was like, eight yeah. weeks is a perfect amount of time to develop a new habit, a gratitude practice. So we will see. There's probably going to be about 15 women who listen to this podcast on, uh, it'll be August 9th. <laughs> They'll just like <laughs> listen to it and be like, oh yeah, that could have been interesting. But <laughs> but I'm really proud. Oh, I'm, I'm going to listen to it as well. I wanted to find one with ladies. I wanted to celebrate the women and the these two. They don't super bro out, but just by nature of two dudes. I'm like, eh, I'm seeing it through a different lens maybe than some other people. But it's super science. It's not like... You know, sometimes you listen to these podcasts with guys and they're like, oh, well, I really get into the zone and I work for eight hours straight. And you're like, yeah, because your wife is taking care of the kids and, you know, right ordering now. groceries and stuff. But they were very much focused on the science, not in the because I'm a man and the patriarchy, I can right. do things that I'm allowed to work in hours straight and so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought it was very, I have listened to most of it just to make sure that it was okay before I made all these people listen to it. It's like two and a half hours long, this episode. So it's no joke, but I thought you would like it, Missy. So I wanted to bring yeah. it up, make sure that you have. Put it on my list stuff. for when I have two and a half yeah, hours. I just wrote it down or too. I'll just take yeah. me five days to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a part two I haven't even got to yet. So yes. But, oh my gosh, this was, you know what, this, we've, the past several episodes we've recorded have just been like the most perfect timing. It's like the, even though we've been scheduling this since February. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's <laughs> yes. Happened. Yes. I, this it is, is what it I does needed feel it like now. the universe is sending us what we need when we need it. You're yes. Like, we're going to freeze everything. Don't talk now. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I'm glad that you dropped into our universe in this yes. particular time. And this hopefully Thank there's you so much. Yeah. And Thank everybody you. go get the book, help make yep. some decisions. And I think even more than helping make the decisions is helping get over the past decisions. That's such, I think that's, that's just what a, speaks to me. I yes. got to quit beating myself up about that stuff. Yeah. So even if you're all made your all decisions and you feel like, uh, oh, I got everything going in place. I bet there's some things that you are weighing down your mind about thinking about decisions you've made in the past. And this is a really great way of thinking through that in a really positive way. Not a toxic positive way, but in a realistic like, yes. no, give yourself some grace way. So absolutely. I love, love, love it. So oh, well, enjoy your summer, Shannon. Have thank so you. much fun. You as well. Good luck to the kids going off to school, which is so exciting. And it is eventually, so exciting. I hope you don't cry all summer. Yeah, I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna. But, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group, and all of our socials can be found at mommanpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>